source of true delight, whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight, that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding die. Colossians 3.12 Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are, <clears throat> you are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of our God. Let us pray together. Oh Lord, give us your spirit that we might understand your word, that we might apply it in every way possible to our lives, that we might exhibit the grace of God through Jesus Christ by what we think, by what we say, by what we do. O oh Lord, as you have given us a new self made in your image, may we live out that new self and manifest this life of Christ in this dark world. Bless us, Lord, for your glory and your honor, we pray. Amen. We come to the end of a pretty long study we've been engaged in on the subject of worship. And we primarily have talked about worship corporately, worship that we do here. And I thought it would be good for us, though we've referred to worship outside of the boundaries of this place, and we've talked about how critical a whole life given up to God is for this to mean anything, 
In other words, if there is no life given up to the will of God outside of this place, then this is worthless what we do here. It's empty. It means nothing unless it's an exhibition, a fruition, a consummation of the way we give ourselves to God in every day of our lives. This is just our corporate expression of what we do the whole of our lives. A corporate expression of praise, and it's just what we do in giving Him praise every day. And so I want to focus on verse 17, which is kind of a centerpiece of this uh, passage that we read. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And I hope that you will have your Bible open, or if you don't have your Bible, to have the Pew Bible open, because we're going to get at what this means by going throughout the letter of Colossae to the Colossians to mine the riches of what it means to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, that can sound like a holy phrase, I'm doing everything in Jesus' name. Well, what does that mean on a practical level? What does, how, how does that affect the way I think about myself, the way I live every day to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? Now, I remind you that name expresses or name is the shining forth of all that a person is and has done. So to do everything in the name of Jesus means to live the way we think, the way we say, what we do, to live in the full light, the full revelation of everything that Christ is, everything that Christ has done. That's really the full basic meaning of this. Still, we have to ask, what does that mean? I mean, how does that translate? To do everything in word and deed with the full realization of everything that Christ is and does. That's his name as it is proclaimed to us. Well, I would suggest three things at least. There are many, many ways to... Uh, skin this cat, of course, many ways to talk about it. But I think these are at least three things that we can concentrate on. First of all, it means to realize that I belong to Jesus Christ. That I belong to Jesus Christ. If I'm living in the name of Christ, it means that I'm living with the full realization that because of what He's done for me, I belong to Him. And and this has amazing ramifications. This belonging is uh, active, intense. It's transforming that I belong to him. For instance, in in chapter 1, it says in verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, to realize, to live in His name or to do everything in His name is to realize I am a transferred one. I am a delivered one. I no longer am a part of the domain of darkness. Now, there's a humility in that. I was a part of the darkness. I produced the darkness. But He has rescued me from that and I'm now in the kingdom of His beloved Son. And the idea of beloved Son means I belong to Him and therefore I'm of the beloved as well. See, 
I belong to the one who is beloved of God, and so I'm beloved of God. I have, for, I have redemption. Redemption means release from slavery. It means release from the domination of sin. It means release from doing the will of my enemy, Satan, which was basically to do my will. And he says, the forgiveness of sins. And so I live as a transferred one. I I do everything realizing the new condition that I'm in in Christ Jesus. This is mentioned later in chapter 1 when he says, verse 21, you who were, and here's, here's a further definition of being in the domain of darkness, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. That's what it means to belong to the domain of darkness. You were alienated from God, which means you did not care to submit to His will. You did not seek His will or care about His will. You you had no relationship to His will as it's expressed in the Word. You didn't long for that will. You didn't pray that that will be done in your life. You're not seeking to more and more conform yourself to that will. You were alienated, hostile. Those things didn't matter to you. That's what it means to belong to the domain of darkness. But he's now reconciled you, verse 22, in his body of flesh by his death. And here's the final end of this. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This has a vision of the final day. So how about this? You so belong to Jesus that whereas you were alienated and hostile, the final goal and accomplishment of Christ is that he will present you before the Father, holy and blameless and without reproach. That's the full work of God that he's going to do in your life and my life. That's what it means to belong to Christ. You belong to him through his accomplishment, the, the body of flesh through his death, through this monumental sacrifice in which he gave himself, he brought you out of darkness into his kingdom. He reconciled you to God. And now we are intimate with God. We are friends with God. We are the beloved and the guarded by God. <clears throat> Later in chapter 2, He speaks of this in a different way. And again, to live in His name is to live with the constant realization of what He's done for me and my new position in Christ. He says in verse 12 of chapter 2, You were buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Here's another way to describe it, okay? Domain of darkness, alienated and hostile, and here you were dead in your trespasses. Fixed, in concrete, sunk to the bottom of the ocean, okay? Gone, it was over. You had no life in yourself. You had no response to God on your own. And he speaks of the uncircumcision of your flesh. Circumcision was a sign of the heart. It actually says in the Old Testament that we're to be circumcised of heart in order to love Him. 
So the indication is we're hostile to him unless our heart, unless he does this heart surgery that causes us to love him and to be glad to obey him, to want to know his will. We, we need a complete renovation so that we want to do his will. We want to give ourselves to him. Otherwise, we're dead in our trespasses, dead in the domain of darkness, alienated, hostile, all those words. The Bible's not really that nice. <laughs> in terms of what it says about you and me. The condition that we were in when Christ finds us. But in each of these cases, you see, it speaks of what God has done. So he says, verse 13, You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. There's new life Forgiveness, new relationship with God. We're not under judgment anymore. We are in God's favor because Christ, it says, verse 14, has canceled the record of debt that stood against us. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. And then this glorious statement in verse 15, disarm the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And as you've heard perhaps me and others say before, this is a picture of the Roman legions leading their uh, the, the defeated kings who would come naked behind them in chains on their way to their final death. But they would be paraded before the uh, crowds of Rome before they would be put to death. Here's the picture of Christ disarming all of the legions, all of the demonic forces that held us and bound us to do their will, which was basically to do my will. He has defeated them, defeated them in weakness. Here's the glory of it. How did he defeat them? By sacrificing himself. How did he win this victory over these colossal powers that held us uh, fast? He did it by being a servant, by sacrificing himself, by laying himself out for us. That's the kind of king he is. And that sounds ridiculous to some. They don't like weakness. They don't like submission. They don't like servanthood. And so... To hear that Jesus is a servant and calls us to that servanthood within the family, within our relationships to others. This is offensive. But to those who see the glory of God, it becomes our salvation that he would be this and do this for us. So you see, to live in light, to live under the name of Jesus is to realize in all of these ways where I've come from, what I am now in Christ forgiven, so that he can say in verse 9, the fullness of deity dwells in him and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. You've been filled with all the glory of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit who now indwells you. And so he says in chapter 3 verse 1, in all of these ways, if you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, the terms above and earth are not physical, spatial terms, okay? They're spiritual terms. Because, as he says, uh, don't, 
set your, set your mind on the things that are above in verse 2, not on things that are on earth. Then notice in verse 5, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. And later he talks about anger and wrath and malice and slander and lying and all of these things. That's the earth, okay? That which is above, perhaps you could think of it this way, set your mind on the exalted things. Set your mind on the glorious things. Set your mind on the beautiful things, the real treasures of life, the meaning of life, the higher things, into a new way of regarding people and treating people after the pattern of Christ who sacrificed for us. That we would manifest that sacrifice. But you see, here again, this is studying what it means to belong to Him. I am, in a sense, at the right hand with Him. That indicates His Lordship. It indicates the fact that He rules over all things. And I'm to see myself as with Him, living out that rule in my life. Because... I have died to my old life, he says in verse 3. Your life is now hidden with God, hidden with Christ. It means that it is now joined with Christ, united with Christ, found in Him, bound up in Him. That's who you are. And to do everything in word and deed in the name of Christ is to realize this is who I am in Christ. And to keep that in your head every day is difficult. That's not easy. That's why we speak of meditating in the Word. That's why Paul later, in in the passage we read, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Word of Christ sets forth the great accomplishment of Christ and, and the great salvation of Christ. And it's these things that redefine us, remake us. The most powerful changes that occur in anybody's life is when they change what they think about themselves. Anybody can tell you that. And to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus is to know I belong to Him. I've been delivered. I'm reconciled. I'm forgiven. I'm transferred out. I am set above all things in Him. I'm raised with Christ and to live that out. Now, that leads very quickly, or, or and it's really hard to pull these things apart because they all belong together. But I belong to Christ. And the final joy of this is stated in chapter 1, verse 12, that He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Amazing that we were the alienated, hostile, belonged to the domain of darkness. We had uncircumcised hearts. We were dead in our trespasses, but now we have an inheritance with the holy ones in light. That's who you are. That's who you are. And you see, it immediately begins to lead to the question, how do I manifest this in my life? Which is the second point. I belong to him. Now I must manifest him in the whole of my life. That's what it means to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, is to manifest this new life, this new position, this new condition in which I I find myself in Christ, raised up. And so he says in verse 5 and following, notice, put to death 
therefore what is earthly. Because my life, as he says right before that, is, is in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears. That's who you are. <laughs> to live in the name of the Lord Jesus is to live in the full light of He is my life now. Through the Holy Spirit that indwells me, I live a whole different life now. Notice how he puts it in verse 10. You have put on the new self. Literally, it's the new man, but the better translation for us is the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You are not what you were. You are a new self brought into a new condition, transferred out of the domain of darkness. You have been raised with him. But see, now you manifest what you are. That's why he says, since you're to set your minds on things above, not on the earth, since you no longer belong to the earth, but you belong to heaven, okay, then you put to death what is earthly in verse 5. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And remember that on account of these, he says, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. You see the point? You were living this way. You walked in these things, but no longer. Because your life now is in Christ. You have been redeemed. You have been transferred. But now... You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You see, it's not just go out and do this, but in light of who you are, in light of the fact that your old self is gone. That's not talking psychologically. It's talking about the old world that you lived in, the old connections that you had, the domain of darkness in which you live. That old self is gone. Now your new self, put on this new self that belongs to heaven. Constantly redefine yourself in all words and deeds. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do everything in the light of what you are now in Christ Jesus. And therefore, you can put these things aside because this whole life is gone from you. You don't belong to the earth anymore. You belong to holiness. You belong to heaven. You belong to the saints that are going to inherit light. That's who you are. The Scripture constantly, constantly, constantly encourages you to believe in what God has done for you in order that you might war against sin, in order that you might develop the character of Jesus Christ. Because He now is your life. And notice, He says, this belongs to everybody. Verse 11. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. Christ is everything to all of us. And that's why, as we read Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. He doesn't just come to you bare bones and say, hey, you need to start being kind to people. You need to start being compassionate to people. You need to start. No. You are chosen of God out of this world. You've been called from darkness into light. You are his beloved. 
with this new life that you have in Him. Now manifest that life. Manifest this love. And and notice he's very specific about that in verse uh, 13 when he says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you're manifesting the very love and forgiveness and kindness and patience of God Himself as He's shown this to you. Now you in turn are manifesting it to other people. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens when you in awe and wonder and amazement and joy experience these things from God through Christ and then you're able over time more and more to give these things away to others and manifest it. And you you get the manifestation of Christ in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Peace is the uh, Hebrew term The Hebrew term is shalom, and this is what Paul would refer to. Shalom means that we're put together again. We're made whole. Speaking of the whole of salvation, the fact that we've been put together, it really is a contemplation of all the happy things that God has done for us. That's the wholeness. The wholeness where everywhere I look, he's done something for me and is doing something for me and will do something for me when I look into eternity. All it is, it's a huge, long, unending list of what God is accomplishing for me in Christ Jesus. And when you meditate on that, then the peace of Christ begins to rule your hearts. The wholeness of Christ begins to piece you back together, even though you yourself have been hurt in deep ways, even though you yourself have been mistreated in ways, even though many terrible things may have happened to you, your life begins to be healed because of the goodness of God. And then it's the Word of Christ dwelling in, and you know the plural here, it's the Alabama and Texas form, let the Word of Christ dwell in y'all richly, right? And you all together, among you, in your relationships, let it govern how you deal with each other. Let it govern your family. Let it govern everything about you. Well, just a few of the things that talk about manifesting this new life. You see, to do everything in word and deed, whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, is to, to then realize to what extent, what it means to belong to Jesus, and then how to manifest this belonging to Jesus in the world. And then finally, um, we could put this, name this many different ways, but belong to Jesus, manifest Jesus, and then honor Jesus. You see, if in the full light of everything Jesus has done, then there must be abundant honor and praise and thanksgiving in my life, Right? If, if it's done in light of everything he's accomplished, what should, there, what should be the response? The response should be overwhelming gratitude, praise, honor, lifting him up, wanting to make him known, wanting in, in this way to manifest him from that motive that he would be honored by my life, you see. He would be glorified by my life. In fact, in chapter 1, he... And this is a great place to start with wanting to bring honor to Jesus is verse 15 of chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Here. (laughs) No wonder that later, just a verse later, he says, In everything he must be preeminent. You see, you can live your life for yourself. Your advancement, your promotion, your reputation, your will, getting what you want out of life as you want to do it, with nobody telling you what to do. Okay? You're just going to live for yourself. And it doesn't matter who you rock over or do anything to, you're going to live for yourself. That's it. And the scripture would look at you and say, Oh, how sad and pathetic that your vision is that tiny. That what you're living for is one pipsqueak human being that can't even keep himself alive. Is that what you're living for? Instead of this one? This one who's the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, doesn't mean that he was born or made in creation. It means he's the owner of creation. See? The firstborn had ownership of the inheritance. This is the one who is the exact image of God. He is God shown forth in the flesh. And he is, he's the owner of creation. Why? Because he made everything. It was made through him. It was made for him. And he sustains it. He sustains it. This is one to sink your teeth into. You talk about giving glory to something. You talk about having an unlimited horizon that you're living for and giving your life for. It's the horizon of Jesus Christ. And giving your life for anything else is pathetic in Scripture's view. You're more noble than that. He's put eternity in your heart, it says in Ecclesiastes. You must live for God or ultimately your life is a waste. If Christ isn't the center of your life, then you have the wrong center. Because He alone is worthy of such glory. He alone is worthy of such allegiance and honor. And it goes on to say that this almighty creator then is the head of the church. He's the one that governs his people. Therefore, he's able to bless his people and nobody can stop him from blessing his people and giving life to his people because he is the almighty one. The beginning, the very first one resurrected, which means we all will be resurrected with him. And notice the end in view that in everything he might be preeminent. In everything that he might be preeminent. And so he's to be honored He's to be set forth. He's, and this begins with, it begins with an emotional reaction in your heart to the glory of Jesus. Where you really are, no fake, no going through the motions. You really are amazed at Him. Do you understand? That, that's, not a, that's not a game. It's, it's the reality that... I'm to be literally daily amazed at him. And if I don't pull off and meditate, if I don't pull off and think about him, this it won't happen. It won't happen. And then to, to have that as my purpose, 
to make him preeminent, to submit. And in this wake of glory and honor comes the desire to obey him, you see. Like it says in verses 10 and 11, may you, yeah, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 10. We see, if, if he's not honored if you're li- in your life, if you're not amazed in him, to walk in a way worthy of him means nothing. If you value uh, being a part, say you become a senator, and, and you think this is a noble and high and amazing calling to be a senator, maybe unlike some people. Um, and, and so you want to live worthy of what it means to, to represent these people in your state. You want to walk worthy if, if you're royalty, to walk worthy of that royalty. And we want, want to walk worthy of this Lord who is so glorious and so great that though He was the one who created the world, He even sacrificed Himself for His people. What kind of king is this? What kind of glory can you give this king? And may I walk worthy of Him by living out that same kind of love. He says, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, strengthened with all power for endurance and patience and joy, He says in chapter 1. And then, of course, what we read in our section, that children are to obey your parents in everything. Why? Why? Because it pleases the Lord. Well, for... You know, you children, you have to ask the question, does that mean anything to me? You say, well, why should I obey my mother and daddy? Well, because you get disciplined. That's usually why. Because I know bad things will happen to me if I don't. Okay? But what if your motivation was this? I don't want to disobey my mom because it pleases the Lord. That's what I want to do. I want to please Jesus and what I say, how I talk to my mom, how I talk to my dad, how I even think about my mom and my dad. I want to please the Lord in what I do and say. So it doesn't matter if they walk out of the room, still do the right thing. Why? Because I'm here to please the Lord. I'm here to do His will. That's the thing that's emphasized for slaves, isn't it? And, of course, this was a cultural condition in which the church found itself. And there are many indicators of uh, the move away from this and stand against it. But they found themselves in this cultural situation. And so they say, obey, not as people pleasers, verse 22, but with sincerity of heart, what? Fearing the Lord. Do it for the Lord. Because from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. You're serving the Lord. And even from masters. Why? Because you have a master in heaven. You're not autonomous. You're not this great Lord on earth. You are under a Lord and you are governed by that Lord and judged by that Lord. Everything has to do with who Jesus Christ is for the church. And husbands, the the reason you love your wives and you're not harsh with them, the reason that you're kind-hearted and tender and gentle with them is because you want to be like Christ. You want to manifest Christ because Christ was not harsh with us. He was kind-hearted. 
He died for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And he tender nourishes us and he's patient with us and bears with us and draws us along. And so if we have any relationship to Jesus Christ, we will be kind-hearted and tender toward our own wives, manifesting the very life of Christ. And this brings honor to him. It's an amazing thing when a wife watches a husband take Jesus seriously and over a time, and sometimes it takes some time, right? And it takes patience to bear with him in the meantime. But she watches him change the way he talks, the way he responds, and what he does for her and to her. She watches it and she realizes it that he's doing this because he loves Jesus. He's doing this because he wants to conform to Christ. And who gets the glory for that? Who gets the honor for that? And so Jesus would say, let people see your good works so that they may, what? Not glorify you, glorify your Father in heaven. They see the new life in you that you once were this, but now you've been delivered. And now in this new life, You're putting on this new self because your life now is Christ. And brothers and sisters, part of the honor of him is believing that he really has done these things for you and really is doing these things for you. To believe in the great work that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. Let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus. We so desire, well, we have to confess, Lord, that many times we don't desire. There are days, there are hours, there are weeks where there is very little desire to live and to do everything, word or deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we we pray that you would give us that desire, you would give us that mindset, you would give us that heart. You have given us that heart, Lord. You have transferred us so that we belong to you and your life is in us. We have a new self that we can put on now. We can put off our old life because of what you've done. We no longer have uncircumcised hearts. We have circumcised hearts. We are no longer dead in our trespasses. We've been raised with Christ Jesus. Oh, Lord, therefore, may we live. May we do everything in word and deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, may we set our sights on on that which is truly worthy of our lives. And that is the preeminence of Christ in everything we say, everything we think, everything we do. Oh, Lord, give us grace to make Christ preeminent. It is in his name and for his glory that we pray. The pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America.
Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light. Oh, come with blissful rain. Break radiant through the shades of night and chase my fears away. Won't you chase my fears away?